Hey, it's Tim here. Thanks so much for coming over to check out my new podcast, The Big Mouth. Before we get into today's episode, got a big favor to ask you. It's going to mean the world to me if you leave a star rating, you comment on the episode or share it with your friends. It'll help me out and help get The Big Mouth out there. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Over the last few decades, attitudes have rightly changed towards using wild animals as entertainment. Gone are the days of animals being exploited in circuses, and even zoos have faced criticism over the years about whether or not wild animals should be on exhibit. We've all seen the movie Blackfish, but what do you do with animals that were born into captivity? They can no longer be exhibited. They're often not suitable for release back into the wild where they would have little to no chance of survival. This week, I visited Zambi Wildlife Retreat, a little-known animal sanctuary in Western Sydney, which provides a forever home for retired, rescued, surrendered, injured, and orphaned wildlife. Zambi isn't open to the public, so gone are the days of these animals that live there having guests gawk at them or performing for cheering crowds. Instead, they live a peaceful life cared for by the staff and volunteers. In this episode, I take you behind the scenes of this animal sanctuary to discuss some of the ethics of exhibiting wild animals and uncover some of the dirty little secrets of zoos. And the story even has links to local folklore of a wild big cat population here in Australia. If you feel like a misfit in a world full of pretenders, then I want to be your friend. Join me each week on the journey of not giving a fuck. So stop trying to fit in and stand out. You don't need to be perfect, you just need to get real. This is The Big Mouth with Tim Dormer. Subscribe now for free to make sure you don't miss out on an episode. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Zambi Wildlife Retreat is tucked away in the farmland of Wallachia in Western Sydney. It's a menagerie of wild animals, everything from a pride of retired circus lions, meerkats who are kicked out of their family group at a big zoo and needed a new home, to a surrendered, endangered hyacinth macaw, the largest parrot in the world, whose owner was actually in prison. There's a family of the cutest marmosets you've ever seen, which are from the group of some of the smallest monkeys in the world, to elderly tigers living out the rest of their lives in luxury, like a golden girl's retirement home. It's not a zoo, you can't rock up and buy a ticket, and visits are by appointment only. Limited to only a few days a week by donation, intended so the animals can live out the remainder of their lives in peace. 
The place was actually a bit of a legend for me growing up as I went to school in the neighbouring town of Mogoa and I was always amazed by the stories of classmates who lived nearby telling me that they had seen elephants from the bus window in a paddock on the way to school. Back then in the 90s, the site where Zambi now stands was actually the family home of the famous Bullens family of the circus world. When they were not on tour, the animals lived in the 50-acre family farm. Yep, lions, monkeys and elephants in the backyard. But nowadays the circus is over and the site has been developed over the years into Zambi, a private sanctuary of animals cared for under the managing director Donna Wilson, who has become a good friend of mine over the years. Donna is definitely more Carol Baskin than Joe Exotic, but she's fierce and has earned her reputation and nickname as the mother of lions. You don't want to mess with her because she has dealt with these giant pussycats for years and has the scars to prove it. She's one of the many strong women that I have in my life who I like to say have been like fairy godmothers to me over the years. And as she greeted me at the gates this week at Zambi, she sized up my partner Adam, who she hadn't yet met, and then she gave me the nod of approval after some interrogation. Donna lives on site at Zambi and has decades of zookeeping experience. But for her, these animals are not pets, but family. In fact, Donna has even shared her bed with one of the lions, Kabulu, when he was just a cub. Nowadays, he's a fully grown male lion with a roar as big as his mane, which I found out at feeding time. I first visited Zambi shortly after winning Big Brother back in 2013 when the sanctuary was in its early stages of what it has now become under Donna's vision. It was a magical day of meeting some of the magnificent animals there, including hand-feeding Sabu, the last remaining elephant from the original herd of three that were the ones that my classmates had seen from the bus window decades earlier. Sadly, Sabu's family members had passed away from cancer while living at a well-known zoo in Australia. So Sabu was moved back home to Zambi to live out the remainder of her life. And I learnt that she recently passed away only a few years ago. Since my first visit nearly 10 years ago, Zambia has become a world-class facility, surviving not on ticket sales, but the hard-working fundraising efforts and generous donations from corporates and everyday people who believe in Donna's vision to improve the welfare for all animals, even the ones that nobody wants. A dirty secret of many zoos is that some animals become unfit to be exhibited. Through no fault of their own, they might have simply outlived their breeding age and are taking up much-needed space. In the case of endangered species like the Sumatran tigers, which are part of an international captive breeding program. Others may have fallen victim to injury or disease, which actually leaves them permanently disfigured, such as cloudy eyes due to cataracts or maybe missing limbs due to amputations after cancer surgery. Illnesses that don't necessarily affect their quality of life, but affect their aesthetics. And sadly, it's been the case that these animals kept on show at popular zoos often draw too much negative concern from guests about the quality of their care, leading to too many complaints. This is the dark side of some zoos that you don't often hear about. I was a believer myself for many years of the rehearsed zoo PR line, that captive zoo animals are ambassadors for their cousins in the wild, that there was a place for zoos, 
as long as the animals were well looked after and that instead of being exploited for profit, that at least some of the money gained from the exhibition was funneled back towards conservation of wild populations. Another argument for zoos has been for their role in education, that people of all ages seeing and interacting with the ambassador captive animal might learn something about the plight of the wild species and develop more motivation to care for conserving wild populations. The problem with ambassador animals, though, is that they have to look the part. They have to be happy and healthy to be seen as living out their best life as influencers. Well, much like Instagram model influencers' lifestyles, we now cotton onto the fact that it's mostly just for show, a curated version of reality. So what happens to these animals who are no longer fit to play the role of zoo ambassadors? Well, some have ended up at Zambi, where they can live out the rest of their lives not having to worry about whether they are pretty enough to feature in selfies anymore. Now I believe that there are some fantastic zoos here in Australia doing great things, but it does seem like as a society we are starting to more and more ask the question, why are these wild animals even in zoos in the first place? With many even pushing for zoos to become obsolete. But what to do with these animals? Most are born into captivity and would not survive if released into the wild. The extreme opinion is that they may even be better if they were humanely euthanized than to live out the rest of their life in a cage. But I believe that these animals do have a right to exist and for animal lovers like Donna, she thinks they can be treated with respect and love and provided a forever home where they can live in peace. As I stood next to one of the tiger enclosures at Zambi this week, I was amazed at how much attention has gone into creating a home for the family of three tigers that it housed. There was a purpose-built pool with a waterfall, native plants from the wild that these cats never knew. Donna even had stones imported from their wild homeland in Sumatra because that detail mattered to her. It was feeding time and I was instructed on how to hold the chicken wing in the correct way so that none of my fingers would have any chance of being pulled into the wrong side of the mesh, the tiger side. It was a magical moment being so close to this growling majestic beast. And moments like that really do take your breath away. It affects me more deeply than the experience of watching a nature documentary featuring wild tigers from the comfort and safety of my couch at home. There is definitely some truth to the saying that encounters like these can't help but move you in a way which you form a deep awe and respect for wildlife. But I also found myself thinking of my partner Adam's pet cat Finn. Some of the traits in these big cats were actually the same, albeit with much larger teeth. I turned to Donna and I said, they really are just like big pussycats, aren't they? To which she agreed. Yes, they are wild animals, but sadly, captivity is all they've ever known and they couldn't survive in the wild. But just how happy is a wild animal in captivity? I remember visiting Melbourne Zoo a few years ago where I met a scientist who was leading a research project looking into how happy captive zoo animals were by testing the stress hormones present in samples of their blood and feces, poo. The findings proved that some animals like big cats showed little signs of stress being in captivity, but larger mammals sadly like elephants were not well suited to life in captivity at all. What was really interesting though was that the research allowed for zoos to make changes to their exhibits 
in order to provide the best care for the animals. For instance, it was discovered that primates really didn't react well to seeing the public through glass. For many animals, facial reactions communicate a range of information and humans smiling at them is actually seen as threatening to some primates. At Zambi, when I was feeding nuts to the baboon, I was told to avoid looking at him in the eyes and to try keep my excited reactions to a minimum, which, if you know how animated I can get, I was petrified and didn't want to stay too long with these guys. Baboons are scary as fuck. I think I'd even take being face-to-face with a tiger over a baboon. As I toured around Zambi and met all the residents, I chatted with Donna about one of my favourite obsessions. The mystery of the Blue Mountains panther. Now, Zambi actually sits at the foothills of the Blue Mountains where I grew up. And for decades, there's long been rumours of wild big cats roaming the bushland, with sightings every few years making the newspapers. There's actually been hundreds of credible reports from people. In fact, my own family friends have their own tale to tell of arriving home late one night to be greeted on their driveway by a large black feline, much bigger than any domestic cat they've ever seen. And another time, one of my best mates tells me when he was a teenager, he was riding his BMX on a dirt track through the bush, only to come around a bend to catch the tail of a big brown mountain lion looking creature. (laughs) There are even reports of farmers finding sheep carcasses up trees, big paw prints in the mud, and countless blurry images and videos, even one account of an attack on a school kid. The folklore of the wild big cat in Australia has always fascinated me. I actually have a collection of newspaper articles and books written on the subject on my bookcase, including one from the famous Tim the Yowie Man. Oh gosh, I want to meet that guy. Now there's a few theories floating around suggesting if there is in fact big cats out there in our own backyard, where they came from. There's stories of US Army men bringing big cats over to Australia that they kept as mascots during the war and then releasing them out to the wild after they went back home. There's an Air Force base in the nearby Hawkesbury, actually. There are rumours of circus tours having road accidents where big cats escaped from the wreckage. And there's even one theory that suggests that the cat sightings are actually a remnant species from a prehistoric era where carnivorous lions roamed Australia. But one of the most commonly thought origins of these big cats comes back to a link with Zambi and the original owners, the Bullens family, who in the 70s ran a safari park nearby. It was a tourist attraction that I think my parents even once visited, home to numerous big cats and you could actually drive your car through and lions would come jump on top of the car as you madly wound up the windows. Legit, this place existed once upon a time in Western Sydney and it is thought that over the years some of the big cats escaped and bred in the wild. And there is a documented case of some lions escaping which were sadly reportedly shot. But could the mystery of the Blue Mountains panther stem back to this place? With so many stories and reports, surely all of these people can't be just seeing oversized feral domestic cats. Now I'm told that the Australian government actually grew so concerned that maybe there was some truth to this tale that years ago they conducted a classified investigation in the area to finally put to rest the mystery of the Blue Mountains Panther. 
The findings, which were only released through a Freedom of Information Act, revealed that the conclusion was that there was more than likely a population of wild big cats in the area. That is crazy. But why has there never been any hard evidence? You would think that someone would be able to prove the big cats were out there with a hair sample or a big smelly cat poo. Or have they? This is where the whole mystery gets really interesting for me. I've read that over the years, there's been many big cat smelly poo samples found by people and sent into the Department of Primary Industries for identification. But they were always returned as being found out to be that of domestic cats. So frustrated was one member of the public who was so sure the big cat poops he was sending in was not that of just a feral cat that he came up with a clever solution. Now, I'm a bit of a science nerd from way back. Even if I never did finish that degree, (laughs) I love the scientific method. And this guy came up with a pretty clever basic science principle, and that was to test a control. He was so sick of receiving back the results of the poos being just from a domestic cat that he thought, what would happen if I sent in an actual poop from a big cat for testing? And where did he go to collect an actual big cat poo sample? The Bullen's backyard, where Zambi now stands. I'm sure that would have been a really funny request to call up and ask to borrow some cat poo. But at the time, they obliged and the sample was sent off for identification. And guess what the result was? Not panther, not lion, not tiger, but yep, domestic cat. So something fishy was definitely going on there. But what does Donna at Zambi think about it all? I asked her and I was surprised to find out that she actually used to be one of the consultants involved with the Big Cat Sighting Hotline. It was actually an organisation back in the day that she was a part of. She remembers giving leopard DNA for testing and seeing many pictures of paw prints and even livestock carcasses up trees. She said that one night she even received a call on the hotline from a terrified woman who thought that it was on her roof. And by it, she meant a big wild cat. She recorded the sounds, but Donna laughed it off, saying it sounded more like a cat on heat. We've all heard that on our roof. Now, Donna assures me that all the videos and photos that she studied over the years looked more like big black feral cats than the black panthers that she knows so well. But she also told me that she was ready on hand to take any big cats should they ever be caught from the many traps that have been set in the area over the years. But so far, the only cats Donna has been taking in are from zoos and closed down circuses. But the legend lives on in this area. As we evolve away from circuses and zoos, places like Zambi are essential in providing the care for these majestic animals. But as you can imagine, big cats and the range of other wild animals living at Zambi required a lot of food and funding to maintain. So if you're an animal lover like me, or perhaps you're not into going to zoos, consider supporting the great work that Zambi does through a one-off donation or ongoing sponsorship even. These animals have every right to live out their lives happily, but they need our help. Check out ZambiWildlifeFoundation.org for how to get involved. This is The Big Mouth with Tim Dormer. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode and leave a comment. Give me a star rating. It all helps get The Big Mouth out there. You can follow me on socials at Tim Dormer. 
and join the Big Mouth conversation. Hashtag the Big Mouth. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.